Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Allie. I love chatting with her. We talk about her journey, how she got into the fashion industry. Her story is so cool. There's so many twists and turns to it, and she was never afraid to pivot. She was never afraid to start over, start from the beginning, start from the bottom, and just go towards where she felt called. And I think that's incredible how she was able to pivot and go towards exactly what she wanted. We talk about postpartum depression, what's helped her with her body image, and so much more. So let's get started. So thank you so much, Allie, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to know some backstory on you. Tell me what your journey has been like so far. How did you get to the career path you have today? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love the name of your podcast. I think it's awesome. Um, I always say, like, even just in my own home with everything with my two girls and, like, constantly wearing so many hats and working, I'm always like, welcome to the shit show. So I think it's great. Uh, you know, you're just being, like, real raw you which is awesome and you know for only being 20 and be doing this is like amazing you know I'm definitely older than you and you know um took me a minute to kind of like find my groove with podcasts so good for you for doing it so young and starting and you know I love that it came out of kind of a hard situation that you decided to create this show and I think that that's just like a really good message for anyone listening is it doesn't always have to just be a hard situation. Of course, it's hard. Of course, it's challenging. And you're allowed to like honor all those feelings. And you're allowed to like, be in that, but don't let it like suffocate you don't let it take you down. See it for what it is, and then move forward and say, how do I turn this into something beautiful? How do I turn this into something positive or inspiring, or even just a distraction for myself, you know, and that's what you've done. And I'm sure for you, like, starting your show at first it was just like something to do but now by all the interviews you've done and like all the people you've had on I'm sure it's turned into so much more yeah Yeah. I love it because it's an opportunity to ask you guys any question I want which is like my favorite part favorite (laughs) part and like people open up about things they've never shared about also which is one of my favorite parts that's cool yeah and how did you get into like the fashion industry like did you always know you wanted to be in the fashion industry it's funny. Like, I feel like I get asked about this question like so much. And it's funny. Cause it's like, I, I feel like 
I've had this question asked of me so many times and I laugh at myself because I'm like, I should just have like this like crafted answer, right? But each time someone asks me it, it's like, I really have to think about it and think like, especially I think just more for like now for people that are listening, like, did I always want fashion? Yes. But did I always like know that I was going to be where I am right now? No. Or did I like look at my life and say, I want to be a celebrity stylist? No. A lot of people will be like, oh, did you just like know that's what you wanted to do? And I'm like, <laughs> no. And I think it's really important, especially for like your audience being that you are 20 to be like really real about, because I think it's really easy, especially social media, to get discouraged, to be set, to compare, you know, all these things that we all do. I do it too, that you're like, oh my gosh, my life isn't going the way I thought it should go. Or, oh, I'm not keeping up with this, or I'm not doing that. And it's like, no, no, no. One, like don't compare because everyone's journey is totally totally different and I think that's like a beautiful design in our life even if sometimes we don't feel like it is it is because we all get to be ourselves and not just be like the other person and so you know for me I always knew I loved fashion like I knew it was gonna be fashion no matter what because I since I was a young young like two, three-year-old, my mom said I would like go, you know, in my drawers, like, you know, in my little room and and grab, you know, like a tie-dye outfit and a fringe, you know, this and a this, that. And she'd be like, what are you doing? And I put like the craziest outfits together and wear them, you know? And she's like, I just remember like we went to the store and you picked out these painted overalls. And I was like, why do you want those? And I was like, I want them. You know, I was young. I was like three or four years old, you know? And she said, I always like dressed myself and I always wanted to like put my outfits together. So I think I always had like that in me of that like fashion and like you know fashion is my passion it's the way I express myself I enjoy it I love clothes love the way they make me feel my grandmother who my first uh, born is named after Amelia you know when she was here we were extremely extremely close and still are of course but physically here we were extremely close and so she you know really got me into fashion because she always dressed so fabulously and always like just had her shit together like it didn't matter if she was wearing a robe like you, you better be damn sure she she had her lipstick still on. She's wearing like this gorgeous robe, fluffy slippers, like the whole nine yards. Like even if she was cozy, she was fabulous. And so like, I always saw that with her and I always got to witness it. And since we were so close, like she would take me shopping and we would watch fashion shows on TV and we would read magazines and like talk about clothing. And, you know, she taught me how to sew. She had my first sewing machine. She would show me with her sister, how they crocheted. Like it was just always around me. So I think because it was around me. I was just always like madly in love with the idea of it and what it was even though at a young age I really had no idea like how much came into fashion per se and so fast forward obviously you know as I you know grew older and when I was like in high school I took a bunch of fashion like home ec classes I wanted to learn and sew and do different things and like get my hands dirty in it so I did that I did like oil painting on the weekends to do like canvas stuff to like bring out my creative side and like find different like, you know, realms of not just fashion, but art and drawing and sketching and just all these different things and just kind of like to dabble in different things to see like what I liked and what I didn't like, you know, and like I hated sketching, but I love oil painting, you know, and so I tried all these different things to like see what it was I wanted to do and then, you know, get to college and I wanted to go to FIT right away and my dad was like, you know, he's a businessman. And so my dad was like, you can totally do fashion and go to school for fashion, but like for at least one year, you're going to do a business school. And I remember being like, wah, wah, you know, I was like, oh, really? I have to do that? You know? And he was like, look, fashion will always be there, but like you need to have some kind of business background. And of course now in my thirties, 
I get it. Like it's a very smart decision to have some kind of simple basic business background because it can take you to anything and you're prepared and you have at least a foundation versus just having maybe fashion. So after a year of uh, school and business and just doing like, you know, simple business classes, I then went on to fashion and it was funny because not the man I married, uh, <laughs> thank God, uh, the guy I was dating at the time who was like my high school sweetheart or whatever, he and I, you know, thought that that was it when we were young. And so he asked me to follow him to uh, Arizona. He was like doing military in Arizona for work and school and everything. So I did. And I went out to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I, you know, it was funny because I convinced like my family and my friends, like I was going out there for the fashion and they were like, yeah, okay, you're going out there for the guy. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going out there for the fashion, you know, because I had found a school that had fashion, even though like, let's be real, I was going out there for the guy. And so, you know, but it was funny because him and I split and I had to really like make it on my own in Arizona where I like knew no one, had no one. And it really like was a very hard, challenging time for me because it wasn't what I expected it to be. <laughs> Most of life is, right? And so it was like, okay, um, it's not going to work out the way you thought it was going to, but you're still in the fashion program. You're still getting to do what you wanted to do and what you said you supposedly came here for. So now what are you going to do? And I remember at first being like, oh, whatever, I'll just take some fashion classes and get my degree and then I'll go back to New York. And as I started to go to school and I started to like really explore like what they had to offer because it was such a small niche school and I was kind of like this big fish in a small pond, if you will, being from New York, being I had all this background and all these things, I was able to like really get into all the different fashion programs. And I started working at the fashion club, like their merchandising association, which was their club. And I started as their vice president. And all of a sudden by like the second semester, I was the president because I was so involved. And then I became the president of the club and I was running fashion shows and producing them and, and modeling in them and creating designs to be in them and all of a sudden it was like all these projects I was getting to do that like I never in a million years had planned on doing at this school and then I'm connecting with all these amazing teachers and taking all these other detailed you know design classes and merchandising and buying and like all these things that I just didn't expect to even get into but because like one door essentially opened kind of kept opening these other doors behind it and so then fast forward to almost being ready to graduate and I was in my I think it was my junior yeah my junior year of college and I was helping other people get internships because I was the president of the club so I was helping other people get internships and relationships and networking and while I was sitting down with like Bloomingdale's and Target and all these amazing companies Target said to me you know why don't you think about our internship program and I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm looking at it for so-and-so. And they're like, that's great. And we can definitely consider them too. But like, what about yourself? Like, what's your plans? And I really didn't have any plans. My plan was to finish school in Arizona and go back to New York because all my family and friends were still in New York. The only reason I was in Arizona was because of a dumb boy that I didn't end up staying with. So it was like, this is a wrap. I'm glad I got to be out here, but I'm going back to my roots essentially. And so they were like, why don't you explore interning for a summer out here for one of our stores that we're opening and we'll put you in like our executive program and train you. And it was a paid internship and it was like a great, you know, first job and project. And so I was like, all right, sure. I guess I'll stay out here a little longer and take on this internship. So I end up working for Target. I have an amazing time working with them. I have an incredible trainer, like the whole thing. And the cool thing about Target is like, people don't realize like when they hear, you know, Target or Target, like now when people don't like everyone knows the store and everyone like knows it as like, you know, this bullseye and it's like this big store. 
for me, I got to really like see the ins and outs of it. And I got to like really be trained by the best of the best. And they walked us through like everything from the sales floor to the planograms and the way this, you know, store laid out to the actual logistics of how a truck comes into the store and, you know, drops off everything that's being shipped and how you like move it into the floor and all the relationships that happen and all the back end work and the actual sourcing of how they decide what comes into the store. And like, you literally get like everything, like, and then some in your training. And so it was like so wild to me because then all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, I never expected to really enjoy retail, but like, this is pretty cool because like, I'm a part of the whole process. This is not just like, I'm standing on a sales floor and like, you know, hey, can you want to buy this shirt? Suddenly so it like had this like life to it. And so I was like, all right, cool. All right. I'm, 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 I'm interested in this. And before I knew it, after like doing really well, my internship, they had offered me to kind of like bypass their assistant manager role and go to an executive position and basically like start with them in an executive position and get like training at the corporate level and everything. And their actual like office where they trained at that time was in Brooklyn, New York. And so they were like, we know you want to go home anyways. Would you want to like essentially transfer? We know you're not done with school yet, but like, would you want to like transfer back early and try to like finish however you can online or whatever you need to do so you can start with us early and get rolling with a job? And I was like, you know, not even almost 21. And it's like, you're being handed this huge executive position and you're like, wait, I was just partying last night. You know, it's like, it was like very surreal, you know, of like, I'm out, you know, at the bar with my friends and doing this internship, like, I do, I do everything in a hundred percent, but I still was like partying and having a good time in college and then would go to my internship. So I didn't expect to be like handed this huge job, let alone potentially a career with this company. And so I was like, Oh, okay, sure. Like, why not? So back to New York, I went, I spoke to my school because they knew I was doing the internship with, you know, with NAU school anyways, with Target. And so they were like, yeah, you can finish up early and online. And so I did a bunch of classes um, that summer um, and into early fall to be able to like essentially graduate early. And then went back to New York, started working and training in Brooklyn and um, was actually able to also get a couple classes at FIT since I was in the city and use those to help me graduate from NAU because they like had transferable classes, which was so cool because I never expected to even get to attend FIT after everything I had kind of done backwards in my own life. Now that it was like, oh, wow, I can transfer classes. I can still get this experience. Like this is dope. So I got to do a few classes at FIT work with Target, and then eventually got handed following semester to be an executive at Target. So I helped them open their flagship store in New York. For those that know the flagship store, it's like West Nyack area in New York. And it was a newer store and they wanted me to help open it and launch it and everything. So I got to be a part of that, which was incredible. And, you know, started out with this like first executive position being not even 21 years old, making a crazy amount of money for, you know, a young girl who really just kind of like took a shot at like, sure, I'll, I'll try this. Why not? Like it's fashion. And so fast forward after that, I was working there and I loved it. I loved the retail. I loved working with everyone, but I realized that I really was missing like all the things I had studied in school, which was like design and actual like get your hands dirty, like intricate details and this and that. And so I was like, okay, something's missing. Like something's not what I thought it was going to be. I'm I'm loving everything. I'm making like way too much money for a young girl, but like, I'm just not 
enjoying, I mean, my passion isn't coming through anymore in what I'm doing. In the beginning it did because everything was so new and exciting and I was like just learning and absorbing everything. But then after a couple of years, it was like, I felt like I was just kind of doing the same thing on autopilot, like every day, just walking in, opening the store, doing what I need to do, make sure everything was super happy, like happy. Everything's, you know, going great. Corporate's happy with me. Store's happy with me. Everyone's happy. And I could do all that. And like every like district and like level was like stoked on me. And they were like talking about me being like the next, you know, let's have you go to the next district level. Let's do this. Let's do that. And they had all these plans for me of like, at this young age, I could just like go up the ladder so fast. And it was like, so cool. But at the same time, I was like, it's not feeling like what I want in my heart. And that was really hard for me because it's like, again, at a young age, you know, you're like, you're told you need to get a job and start just making money and, you know, work hard and this and that. And I wanted to do those things, but I wanted to also enjoy it. And I felt like after a certain amount of time, like my zest for it, like wasn't there anymore. And so I started like asking around like other people in fashion, like what else I could look into. And I started realizing like there were so many different jobs, but they just weren't in what I was doing. So I reached out to my boss and I said, Hey, I'm starting to really think about maybe a new career path for myself. And I love this company. So I wanted to like, let you know, make you aware, but I think I'm going to end up leaving. And my boss was amazing. And he was like, well, before you think of leaving, why don't I talk to corporate and see like if they could give you something in-house before you go like elsewhere to someone else. And so I was like, okay, that's fair. And so I sat down with like a bunch of people from corporate and they offered me to go out to Minnesota to look at all the different design jobs they had and merchandising and all those amazing things. And I was like, cool, this is so awesome. Like I say, it's the same company and do what I want to do. And so I went out to Minnesota I hate saying this, but it's so true. And I was on the plane and they announced that it was like 20 below wind chill or whatever. And to like cover up your neck and make sure no skin is showing. And I was like, what? (laughs) And it was like, I'd already been, you know, in New York my whole life, minus being in Arizona. And so I was like, wait, I'm doing, I'm, I'm, what? Like, (laughs) it was like this like moment for me, it sounds so stupid, but like, I was like, oh, I can't live here. I can't be here. Like, no way. You know, <laughs> like I hadn't even gotten off the plane yet. And I was already like judging it just because I was cold. And I was like, all right, that was kind of my answer for me. I still like went and checked everything out and it was amazing, but I just knew it wasn't going to work out. So I went back to New York, quit my job at Target, started searching for other companies and realized that I was kind of like overqualified everywhere. I had all these amazing things on my resume but nobody wanted me because I was overqualified. Like I I didn't have the little minimal things that I needed to get like a basic level job, but I didn't have like the top, top things to get like a top, top level job. So it was like everyone I sat down with them and interviewed me, they'd be like, well, you're amazing, but I don't have anything for you. And I'd be like, what? You know, and it was like this really exhausting process of like going and interviewing with all these companies and people telling you like, you're incredible, but like, I can't use you. And you're like, oh, Okay. Um, and so I continued for quite a bit. And then finally I had to kind of turn to myself and like check my ego and say, okay, if I'm going to get anywhere in the fashion side of things on the corporate level, I'm going to have to like take a major pay cut and take a really low end position to just get the resume work that I need to move forward. So then once I started like sitting down with other companies for literally basic, basic assistant work, 
they would sit with me and they'd say, so, you know, what are you doing here? Like, why would you pick this when you have all that on your resume? And I'd have to tell them, like, look, I love everything I'm doing and I love my job, but like, I want more in a different respect. And I realize I'm going to have to most likely start over in order to like be able to kind of prove myself on this level versus just walking in and expecting you to kind of hand me a position. And they were like, well, yeah, we can do that. But like, you're literally going to start at the bottom. I remember so many companies sitting with me and being like, are you sure this is what you want to do? You know? And I was like, yeah, I feel crazy, but like, yeah, I do because I want to be passionate about what I'm doing and how my job is and everything. And so I took a job with a company called Fragments. I don't think they're any longer in New York, but they were for a long time. And it was a private label jewelry company. And I, you know, took a super low end salary, became like, you know, the low, low, low end shipping and design assistant. And I started working with them and we would do private label jewelry from anything from like Aeropostale and Nana Republic to like Neo Marcus and Sachs. And so I was doing like all the small tedious work for that, that company. And over time, I started really learning the ins and outs of like design and like working with the factories and what all that looked like. And it became very apparent to me very quickly that I was like madly in love with like the behind the scenes of fashion. And so once I knew that and it kind of clicked, it was like, okay, now what do I want to do? And so then I started applying for other companies and I moved on to coach and I ended up working for coach and doing handbags and accessory design for them. And I actually like got to be like one of their like, you know, top design assistants, which was like amazing. And, you know, did that for quite some time. And then uh, of course, like, like life likes to throw you another curveball. Uh, the stock market crashed in New York. And I went from like, finally feeling like I was like climbing a new ladder to like, everything stopped. And I was like, oh my gosh. And they let me go because they let go of like most of our design department. And they were like, you know, we'll call you back maybe in like nine, 10 months. And I was like, nine, 10 months, I can't survive nine, 10 months. Like, and at that time I was um, living in uh, my apartment, you know, out, right outside the city. So like I was paying bills and everything and there was no way I was going to be able to just like figure it out. So um, I went back home to my parents to save money, which was like really hard because like after you move out and you decide you're on your own, you're doing all these things, like to kind of go back to the nest, so to say, it was like, okay, I'm going to go home to figure this out, you know? And so it was, it was definitely a bruise to my ego to go home and to like, my, I mean, I'm very lucky and grateful that I have a family that's very open arms and very supportive, but it still was like, I finally felt like I was doing things on my own. And then I had to like take a bunch of steps backward. And so, you know, I go home and I start saving some money and uh, I started looking all over for jobs. And luckily, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the agency now. I think it's called 24-7. I think they're still around. I reached out to them and their recruiting team and they were like, well, we can't give you a permanent job, but we can kind of move you around and have you do some freelance stuff in and out. So I started getting like random, like a few weeks at a time, like working at Talbot's and working as an assistant in design to them and then going to Lacoste and Gucci and all the different places getting bounced around for a few weeks at a time, like just getting different gigs just to make money and to get more of an experience. And so I kept thinking to myself like, okay, so how long am I going to do this? And how long is this going to go? Because who knows how long it's going to happen with the stock market to know what was happening. So I started reaching out to different friends and asking for advice. And at the same time, I was still searching like within myself of like, 
okay, do I really want to do this or do I want to do something else? Because now's the time to make a switch or I'm going to switch. And so then I realized like, okay, I love corporate design, but maybe I do want to do something else. Maybe I want to do something more like in your face, like by the scenes still, but like not necessarily in an office and in a corporate office and, you know, in, you know, in a cubicle and the whole thing. And I'm like, okay, well, what would that look like? I started like trying to figure out like what that was. And a stylist was not a term, you know, then like it, Rachel Zoe hadn't really had her show yet. People didn't really know what a stylist was when you would say a stylist to them. So it was more like a shopper, personal shopper kind of thing is what people would say, but it still wasn't exactly what I was thinking. And so I started asking around. Luckily, I had some family in the business um, who had worked in other parts of the industry. And I said to them, like, hey, I just want a shot at the entertainment industry. I don't know what I want to do, but it's something with the fashion. And we don't have any connections there, but we could just, like, get you introduced in general to see if anyone needs an assistant. So I started going on different interviews and I sat down with Oliver Stone's team in New York and like the amazing and phenomenal Oliver Stone producer and director and, you know, met his team and they were like, Hey, listen, we have a movie starting soon in New York and we just need someone literally to be our go girl. Like we just need coffee, donuts. And I remember sitting there and like having again, check my ego and be like, okay, do I really want to go get like coffee and donuts all day? No. But do I like want to figure out like what this world is about and like get my foot in the door? Yes. And it was like that moment that I was like, okay, sure. I'll do whatever you need. And they hired me and I, you know, started working a few weeks later. I moved back into the city in Hoboken and got an apartment and with a roommate and I started working, you know, immediately on this movie and it was a seven month job. So it was amazing because it was like an actual like longer project for a lot of times when you work in entertainment, you know, they're quick and one, one and done, but this was a nice long one. So I got to really like learn and also have like somewhat of a steady paycheck for a minute. And so I, I'll never forget my first day on set and Oliver Stone, his team turned to me and said, okay, these are the coffees we want. This one with no whip, this one with this, this one dark, and all these things. And I'm like trying to, you know, write this down furiously and the whole thing. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, and then, you know, we want this to eat and da, da, da. And I'm like, all right. And they're like, okay, find the nearest, you know, Starbucks and go and get from there and then be back and be back in 20 minutes or less because like we need it before we start and do the whole thing, you know, and I'm like, okay, okay. And I, you know, get everything together, you know, and I'm like, I'm like remembering it, you know, and I like get you know, on the subway and I go like shoot up to the closest Starbucks and I wait in line. I'm like watching the clock, like, okay, come on, come on, come on, you know, and I get to the counter and I get everything and I get back down and I get there, thank God, like in time and I'm giving everybody their drinks and their food and I remember Oliver Stone's main person Kevin turning to me and going that's not what Oliver ordered and I was like what do you mean I told him this and this and and I checked the list you know and he was like and he like looks at it and it's like it's not what it is and I'm like oh my god you know like total panic was my first day on the job and he's like and so he looks at me and he's like do you want to give it to him and I was like uh, do I have to, you know, like, you know, and so I walk over and hand it to him. And I just remember him looking at it and going like, I said, no whip. And, da, 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 and I'm like, he's like, well, go get me another one. And I was like, okay. You know, I was like, and he's like, and, and then I remember like looking at the team and like, 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 okay, someone going to give me cash to go get another one. And the assistant of Oliver goes, go get another one. And I'm like, well, I need cash, you know, I'm like trying to whisper him, I need cash, you know, and he, they're like, oh, they're not going to give you cash, like, you messed it up, go get another one, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and so I run, you know, back, and I, you know, I, I literally, like, cry to the Starbucks person, and I'm like, I messed up the order, you know, the person's probably like, okay, crazy, and I'm like, telling them my whole life story, 
kind of like this. And he's like, um, it's okay. It's on me. Good luck. I hope you keep your job. And so, you know, gives me a break and gives me my, you know, my coffee and I get back and I give it to him and he's like, all right, this is the right thing. And he's like, all right, you know, go help them on the next project. I'm like, Whew, you know, so then I go and help cut up scripts. The list goes on. And so I go do all these projects for them. And, and after like my first week of having a really hard week of just whatever they needed at whatever time of five in the morning, hurry up and get here. It was like, whatever they needed, you just were doing it. But after like a week or two, you know, they said to me, you're doing a really good job keeping on time. You're, you have a great work ethic. You have a good attitude. Like we just want you to know, like we plan on keeping you because you're doing a good job. And what is it that you're wanting to learn here? And all of a sudden it was like questions around me. I'm no longer just like this go girl who's running around, you know? And so I was like, well, of course I'll do whatever I need to do here, but I would love to somehow learn fashion and costume. Like I have no idea what this is, but I'm so intrigued by it. And so they were like, all right, if you, you know, do a great job over the next couple of months, we will have you start to learn that and put you in that kind of world and everything. And so I worked super, super hard and did anything that they needed in anything. And so by the time, you know, a couple of months passed, they introduced me to the costume designer who had flown in, who was from Los Angeles, who flown into New York to oversee the rest of the project, Ellen Mirajnik, super famous costume designer. And they were like, this is Ellen Mirajnik. She is the main costume designer. Here's Shawnee Kill. She is the main costume supervisor and, and key costumer. Here's so-and-so, who here's so-and-so. And I met these people who essentially were like kind of the keys to the costume department and the keys to me learning anything in that world. And so I started working for them and Alan was like, same thing, like go to my apartment and feed my cat, go put my suitcase unpack, go get me groceries. Like, like whatever she needed, I was doing. But again, I was getting to learn and getting to like fall into this industry more and make my way in and like slowly climb this ladder. And so over time, because like I said, it was like a seven month movie. Over time, I finally started getting asked, like, can you go find this blue shirt that matches my Douglas's shirt? We need 10 of them. Can you go find this button, you know, in all the sourcing stores and find this exact style? You know, all of a sudden it was like, find this, find this, do this, do that, you know? And it was like, oh, wow. Okay. And I felt so excited and empowered that like I was being given these huge decisions, even though there was like a button or a zipper. It was like, this is fashion. It's like so cool to me. And so anyways, you know, fast forward, that was my first movie. Those people were amazing and gave me glowing recommendations after the movie. I learned so much on set from them in costume. I mean, my mentor, Shawnique, is still a good friend of mine to this day and has become like family to me. And so I learned so much. And so from there, I started getting asked to work on other projects in New York, like 30 Rock. I worked on Butterfly with Mariah Carey's team. Um, I worked on Mercy, which is a hospital show with um, famous costume designer Amy Roth. I mean, the list goes on. I started working on so many projects. Then I got asked to go work on Big Mama's House with Martin Lawrence. And that team that was there in Atlanta was actually the main costume team was from California. They're from LA. So I said to them, like when I was working with them and everything, they were like, you know, so what's your deal? And I was like, well, I'm, you know, in New York and this is what I'm doing. And these are all the projects I've done. And I was very excited to like share, you know, all the things I'd already learned and like wanting to pick their brain of like, okay, and what else can I do? And what else can I learn? You know? And they were like, well, for what you want to do. And like, you're talking more about kind of like the styling and the, you know, entertainment side and not necessarily just movies. They're like, you need to be in LA. And I was like, no, I've done so much in New York and, you know, I've had so many projects here and they're like, yeah, no, that's great. And you'll continue to, but like, it's not going to be the same. Like for what you want, 
it's Los Angeles. And they turned to me and said, after quite a few months, like, we love your work ethic. You know, we love you. If you want to come out to LA with us, we'll help you get in the costume house. We'll get you started, you know, and I want to mention their names because I think it's always important to honor people that take care of you, you know, in your path and, and help set up your career. So it was Leah Ketchnelson, who is an incredibly famous costume designer. She's done like 21 Jump Street and so many big movies. Scott O'Leary, who's a huge costume supervisor and Amanda Riley. And so they essentially helped me launch that next level of my career. And so I went out to Los Angeles, packed my bags, turned to my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, and said, hey, um, I have an opportunity to go to Los Angeles. And he was like, okay. You know, and it was like, I get, we had been together for a little less, maybe a little less than a year, a little over a year. And we were living together at that point in our, my apartment in, um, in the, outside the city in Hoboken. And I had just been in Atlanta for the summer for the project. And he had come to visit me. And I just was like, so I want to move. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so being the good man that he is, he followed me out here. We started immediately figuring out our way here. And I started working in a costume house, getting my hours, started to work with some of the biggest you know, names you can imagine in costume and assisting. And they really helped me get my start. After that, doing quite a bit of that, again, I had this like moment of like, losing my zest, losing my excitement to what I was doing and realizing like, even though I loved the entertainment industry, I didn't necessarily love costume anymore. And I had this like moment of like, oh shit. <laughs> like, like I just moved everything out here. I just changed everything around. And now I'm like, mm, maybe this is not what I want to be doing. And so that was kind of intense for me because I had moved my whole life out here and I had decided like, this is what was right and what I wanted to do. And then decided like, oh, just kidding, maybe not. And so then I started exploring and asking again, because I had so many mentors at that point and so many people I'd worked with, like, hey, what should I be looking into? What can I do? And so that's when I kind of discovered styling. Rachel Zoe had her show. It was more known. You know, people could, you could kind of get an idea of what it was. And so I started reaching out to like several stylists to like intern for them. But again, I had to like check my ego and essentially start over because even though I had all this amazing experience in costume, it wasn't styling. And so I was like meeting up with these huge stylist teams and then being like, okay, so you've got an assistant background. So that's great. So you can do like easy, simple things for us assistant wise, but like, you don't have any styling background. And I was like, yeah, but I've been doing this in movies and doing this and doing that. And they're like, but it's not the same. And so it was like, oh my gosh, here we go again, you know? And so I had to start over an intern for like people like Monica Rose and her team, you know, with the Kardashians and Rena Lupadora for Kanye West and Emma Roberts and stylist Jessica and all these different like huge people to like just even get my foot in the door. And so fast forward after doing that for quite some time, I ended up becoming one of the key assistants to Rena Lupadora. Kanye was Kanye stylist for many years and working with their team. And I really got like my foot in the door and really like learned being on that team. And before I knew it, all of a sudden, I was starting to get asked to just dress these like random, like D-listers, if you will, and people that like nobody really knew who they were, but they were somebody to me. And they were like, hey, would you want to dress them? I can't pay you, but like, I'd give your name on it. And like, would you want to style them, you know, for this pro project? And it was like, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I want to do that. You know, and all of a sudden, I was dressing all these people and Next thing I knew, I was getting best dressed and my clients were getting named all these different things in different magazines and Vogue Italia is writing about my styling and getting picked up in Us Weekly for best dressed and best look and best trend. And it was like, whoa, you know, all of a sudden it just kind of took off. And I remember like getting a call from a 
the New York Times and them reaching out to me and saying, hey, you know, we've been following your work and we'd love to do an interview you on page six in print. And it was like, what? <laughs> it's like, all of a sudden you have this moment of like, oh shit, I must be doing something right. So, but I still didn't know what I was doing, honestly. Like I knew what I was doing as far as my craft and I was working hard and I knew that I was working, but I just didn't know what I was doing as far as like my career path and like where I was going. I just kind of just kept riding the train and just seeing where it was going. And so then that happened. And then like, you know, from there, things just kind of took off more. Alaline Design was born, my company. And that's kind of what led me into celebrity styling. But it was quite the backwards road to get to where I am. And most people will tell you when they would be a stylist, they studied styling or kind of knew right from the get-go, like, hey, I was going to be a stylist, so I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I just knew I wanted to be in fashion. And if you had told me years ago that I was going to wind up on this crazy windy road to here, especially now where I am with all these different jobs I do, I'd be like, no, that's, that's not what I'm signing up for. You know what I mean? So I kind of just followed the path and it led me to where I am. I would love to go into from your story. One of the things that I really got is you're never afraid to like start over again. Like you're never afraid to start something new. You're never afraid to shift and pivot. Have you always been like that? Is there anything that taught you? I can pivot. I can shift. It's okay. Yeah. I love that you asked that question. <laughs> no, I definitely was not always like, yeah, I can shift and pivot. Actually, I always used to hate change and I used to find it very intimidating But I think for me, I have had so many times where I've had no choice but to shift and pivot. I've had no choice but to show up. Otherwise, it's over for me with whatever I'm doing. Like point being, the first was my boyfriend broke up with me and cheated on me and left me in Arizona and was like, peace, I don't want to marry you anymore. You know what I mean? And so that was like my first like huge shake and wake up call of like, you got to do this on your own. You got to figure this out. Like you can't just go back to New York, you know, with your tail between your you know legs and say, Oh, he broke up with me. I mean, you can, but that wasn't, my, that's not my personality. And so I was like, you know, there's one thing about me is I'm, I am a very strong person. I am very, um, like I said, I do, I put everything hundred percent into what I do 110%. So for me, it was like, no way I wasn't going to do that. But I also, so my pride side of me was not going to do that. And so it was like, okay, so then what can I do? Okay, I'm going to stay here in Arizona and try to make the best of it, which it really was a blessing in disguise because I became the president of the fashion club. I got my target relationship and job. I mean, so many things happened that just wouldn't have happened had I been in New York. So I think that like, for me, the universe has taught me like, you may not like it and you may actually like try to push away from it, but like, we're going to shake it up for you regardless. And you're going to learn. And I feel like in a way, by you asking that, I realized from you just saying that, that I kind of like have been put in that position, like always now it's like that happened. And then I came out here and then it was like, oh no, that's not what I want to do. Oh, shake things up again. Okay. Now what are you going to do? And then same with like, when I became a mom, it was like, in my mind, I had it all covered. Like, I'm going to still do this with styling and this is going to happen my clients and no big deal. And then it was like, my birth was traumatic everything was crazy and then it was like boom you're a mom oh and by the way you have full-fledged postpartum depression like so now not only are you a new mom but like you can't even think straight like you're totally in a different zone you don't even act like yourself and it was like oh my god you know and so I think that for me like the universe kind of shakes things up for me to like pay attention and to be like you have to pay attention in order to shift what you're doing in order to go forward in the right direction. Like I almost kind of feel like in a way it's a blessing that I kind of have that in my life because maybe I wouldn't make certain decisions the way I do if I didn't have that kind of shakeup that's like kind of forced on me. And of course in the moment I'm like, 
damn it, what is this? You know, like, what, what the F? Like, I don't want to be dealing with this. But then after I go through it, I realize like, oh, well, then that led me to this. And then, oh, well, that led me to that. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, like, everything opens and I see like that things are so much better than they were before or they've evolved or whatever it is, like whatever that final thing that happened from it, it always ends up being a positive for me. And what's something that helped you through the postpartum depression? Oh, I had a lot of things that helped me through the postpartum depression. So first I want to say like anyone that's listening that has gone through it or maybe is going through it, everyone's journey looks different. And so you really have to like evaluate where yours is and what you need because I've had people reach out to me and say like, oh, I couldn't do what you do. And I'm like, that's fine. There is no right answer to postpartum depression. Like it is a true illness and it is a really dark place to be. And it was for me. And so for me, first off, I didn't even like want to accept I had postpartum depression. I didn't even want to like think someone is like, happy and like go lucky as me could be someone who could be like so depressed and also like I was obsessed with my daughter so to me I didn't look like the person in the pictures that was like disconnected from their baby because like no I love my baby and so it was like no I don't fit into that box and I think a lot of times society right we're always put into like this box and we think like we have to look like this or this has to define us but it's like no that's just something you made up in your head and you created this expectation in your mind. And then when, when expectation didn't become reality, it shattered. And that's what happened for me. And so I think that when I realized finally I was going through it and I was willing to accept that I was going through it, the first thing was just getting help and putting my ego aside, putting my pride aside and saying, I need help. I can't do this on my own. Cause I tried to, in the beginning of my husband, I told him, I was like, let me go get my nails done. Let me go get my lash extensions. Let me, you know, go get a massage. Like, let me go do all these things because I just wanted to like, feel good, feel like Allie and feel glamorous and all these things that I was before I became a mom and I would do it. And I feel good for like a day. And then I feel like shit again. And I was just like this constant, like roller coaster of just like, I'm good. I'm not good. I'm good. I'm not good. And so then I realized, okay, I actually like really need help. Something's going on. And luckily I had quite the support team around me for my birth that I had like my midwife and my doula and all these people that, you know, my birth team. And I reached out to them and I was like, what do I do? You know? And so they put me in touch with, you know, another team and I sat down with them and I sat down with this postpartum team. And she said to me, just kind of first off, like, before we go into like, what do you do? Or like, what is quote unquote wrong with you? Like, nothing's wrong with you. Like, this is a real illness that comes from a lot of people that go through birth and a lot of times it's traumatic and, you know, and so she was like, let's just talk about like why you are where you are. And so it was like the spilling of just feelings and of anxieties and all these things that like, I just didn't want to hold as true because they were too scary to me, but they needed to like come to light for me to be able to like move past it and evolve. And so that was like my first session of like, just like, I remember like five hours of just like pouring everything out and just like literally just like laying everything out there. I didn't want to face. I didn't want to talk about like even things like my grandmother passing away who I named who I told you I named my daughter after like not wanting to like even deal with certain things with her death and her not being around for my daughter's birth and just so much that just came up that I didn't even realize like I had buried so deep and so you know we went through all that in my first session and then after that it was like okay you're gonna need therapy and you're gonna probably need some kind of medication and so for me I'm a very natural person like I anyone that like knows me or follows me knows like I I try to do things more homeopathic when I can. I believe like what our bodies can do. I believe what our minds can do. And so I try to like really 
hone in on that when I can. Of course, again, for anyone listening, if you choose to do medication, you choose to do IVs, whatever it is, like that is for you to decide, like we know ourselves best. But me knowing myself best, I know I like things more natural, more homeopathic. I try to like eat more organic. Like I'm just a more homeopathic person. Like I just, I would rather look at nature for more things when I, when I can. I understand why medicine is there and it's, and it's a beautiful thing when you need it. But I personally am not that person. Like when I get a headache, I don't walk and go get Advil. I like put essential oils on my forehead and I try to meditate and, you know, I try to figure out like how I can fix it within before I look for the external. So for me, it was like, okay, I knew that. So I said that to my people. I was like, I don't want to be put on medication. I just don't because I knew what that had felt like in a different way when my grandmother had passed away and I was really dark. That was really the only time in my life I would say like that I was really, really dark. And so I was on medication for that. And I just felt like such like a zombie. I felt like I was just so like just following whatever I needed to do each day, but I wasn't like really living. And I just remember like being in this like catatonic state because I couldn't deal with her death and I couldn't deal with life. But like, instead of allowing myself to like deal with life and just hurt and like feel pain, I was just like numb instead. And so I didn't want to go back to that. I just didn't want to be numbed again. And so I said that to them. I was like, I, I need a different way. And so they're like, all right, well, let's do therapy. Let's have you get into meditation. They knew I had done some meditation when I was pregnant with Amelia. And so they were like, let's go further into meditation. Let's like do visualization meditation. Let's do journaling. Let's like give you some different things you can listen to, you know? And so I started working on that and that was like a daily, everyday, like meditation for like an hour, like committed mindful practice to do journaling on top of that, like my feelings and everything that was going on, as well as like cognitive therapy of like saying words and like figuring out what those words mean and all the different things like I needed to do to kind of like rearrange and restructure my brain and the way I was seeing things and the way I was perceiving things. And I had to sign off social media for almost two months. I think that's important to say because for me, I felt like being a quote unquote influencer, hate that word, but being in the space, being someone's a content creator, being someone that showed up every day and showed up for other people, um, especially at that time for me, it was showing up in the glamorous aspect of things. I couldn't be that glamorous person anymore. One, I was like dying inside. And two, I was a brand new mom who like could barely survive like feeding my baby and trying to get dressed while being pooped on. You know what I mean? It was just like, <laughs> I mean, straight up, you know? And so I just, I couldn't show up to be this like glamorous alley that I always was. And that was really hard for me. And so my therapist and everybody around me was like, I know you don't want to, but like, you need to sign off. Like you have a team that can run it to just do like the minimum things, but like just off, off your phone, like the app, like off. That was a really hard decision for me because one, that was my work. Two, in a way, that was my like validation. And three, it was like this control thing. Like I had control of that. I didn't want to give up control. And so it was like, too bad, you got to. So I signed off. And I remember at first, I remember like going on every now and again, like checking when I wasn't supposed to and like would see like people unfollowing me or like making comments like you haven't posted in a while. And I'd be like so anxious and I'd be like, oh my God, I just gotta get back on. Like This is crazy. And then I would like write things out and I would journal them. And then I would realize like, no, it's not healthy for me to be on there right now. Like it's literally like giving energy that I can't afford to give right now. And it's literally like a toxic space that I can't be in right now. I need to choose myself and like my mental health and like my well-being over what this control was. 
And so, and like this, like where I have to show up and it's like constant, like image, if you will, of like who I was there, like to, to shatter that and to be like, no, I can't be there right now. And so, you know, no social media, meditation, CBD was uh, the medicine of choice that I use. I know it's a very controversial um, subject, but for me, it worked. I swear it was a game changer. As soon as I started using CBD, I used CBD rubs for bombs, like on my body to like calm like my actual nerves. And then also tinctures like under my tongue for when I would like immediately feel anxiety or feel depressed. And within a couple hours, it would change my perspective of my entire day. And it became like, a huge part of what I did daily for like almost eight months to be able to feel even somewhat near normal and who I was in any way, shape or form. And between the CBD, the meditation, the consistent therapy sessions, the journaling, the cognitive therapy, just writing in general, expressing my feelings, communication, communicating to my husband, what I was feeling, communicating to my friends, what I was feeling, being honest about my feelings. It all kind of really played a part in this mindful practice for myself to be able to bring myself back together again. And I think too, like for those that like uh, know me or don't know me, like when everything happened for me, I felt like I was mourning the death of myself. Like I felt like I had completely lost myself. And so when I felt that way, it was like, at first it was just like this, like very heavy feeling of like, I just lost myself. I'm like, oh, well now I'm just a mom. Like, so be it. Fuck it. Guess everything else goes out the, you know, the toilet. And then once I kind of came back around and I started really looking at myself and journaling about that, I realized I had a true fear behind like losing who I was before and having to evolve and become someone maybe I wasn't ready to be. And that was really terrifying for me. And so once I finally came to that place, that was when the podcast was born, stripped down, because I realized after all those months that like, I really was harboring those feelings of like, well, I don't know who that new person is. And I do I want to know who that new person is? And like, why can't I just stay who the old person was and all these things? And it was literally like mourning myself. And so when I started creating my podcast and I started sharing my feelings of how I was feeling and how dark I felt a beautiful thing happened. I started not only healing myself, but I started healing others because others would reach out to me and say, well, I feel the same way. Or I wanted to drive my car off the highway or I wanted to jump off a bridge. And, you know, it sounds terrible, but it's like, that's how you feel in the moment. And being able to like, not only honor those feelings, but like have them validated and not feel crazy and be like, oh, you lost yourself too. And like, it's okay. Like you got help also. And you figured it out. Like that's, that's where for me, like the magic happened and like where I found, like I was already healing, but this was like a whole new level of healing for me. Like I was expressing myself and I was truly sharing this like really raw side of myself that I had never shared before. And at first it was scary as fuck to like share that raw, but then it was like, this feels so healing and this feels so cathartic. And like, I no longer feel like I like mourning the death of me. Now I almost feel like I'm like celebrating the rebirth of me. And like, this is a new version of, and like, wow, how, how dope is that? And like, all of a sudden I was seeing things from a whole different perspective. And it just led me into like interviewing all these women who were also going through their own struggles and motherhood and what they were suffering and how so many moms like suffer in silence because we feel like, we're supposed to just be everything and you're supposed to forget like all the jobs like you know that I have but just like even being a mom every mom that shows up every day to do the things they do for their family like you're supposed to just turn it on and like no big deal put your feelings away and just be mom and it's like 
I feel like society taught us that for a long time, but it's like kind of nice now that like all these new moms, at least from what I've seen in my circles and my community is like, no, we're going to burst that bubble and it's okay to share all your feelings and it's okay to ask for help. It's more than okay. It's okay to realize you can't do everything as a mom and give to yourself and do this and do that. And it's okay to some days say you're not okay. And it's okay some days to say, hey, I can do it all. And it's like, it's not all or nothing. It's like, it's all encompassing and it's all a matter of how you do it and how you choose to do it. But it took me like, you know, almost a year to get to that moment to realize like all that was so normal and all that was going to be okay. And this wasn't going to be like my new normal forever. And like, I was going to figure it out. But in the moment, it just felt so suffocating and so consuming that like I couldn't even see past five o'clock sunset, let alone a year down the road into motherhood. And so for me, it took me almost a year to get to the light at the end of the tunnel. But then once I did, like I remember celebrating my daughter's first birthday. And I remember like in that moment, like being excited to like get dressed up for her birthday and like do my makeup and like feel cute. And I hadn't felt like that in such a long time. And even though that sounds so like small and like silly, it was like such a moment for me and such a pinnacle moment for myself and my healing because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to like feel like me again. And I'm starting to like, not just feel like me, but also like realize again, like I'm evolving into this whole new version of me. And like, this is a whole new world in a sense of like all this unknown that like, yeah, it's scary. But at the same time, like pretty cool that like I'm getting to kind of start over in a way with myself and and learn and figure out like what this new journey is about and I was so grateful that when I did come back to social media several months later yes I lost a ton of people following me yes I lost a ton of people that were following me for celebrities and glam and all that but over time I found these tribes of women I found these amazing women around me who were like well I would have never been here for you had you not shared your story. I would have never connected with you had you not been so relatable. I'd never seen this side of you because you're always glam 24 seven. I'd never seen you be so raw because I didn't know you had that in you. And all of a sudden it was like, then like the vulnerability just kept outpouring because it was like, oh my gosh, I can feel free to do this. I feel sovereign in myself. I feel free to just release and just be me and be this new version of me. And, and there's no judgment and it's only me judging myself. And once I kind of like had those moments and those realizations, I started realizing like, not only was I healing, but I was also helping healing others. And like, that was just the best feeling. And that was really what got me to the next level of healing in my postpartum depression. And the new alley that you're stepping into, is there any parts of that that you're really excited about? Any things that are really jumping out at you right now? You know, it's funny, like when I think of myself and like think of this whole new, like, you know, people will joke like alley 2.0 or, you know, like a rebirth of myself. Honestly, it's all exciting. At first, it was all very unnerving and it was all very like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do anything and everything for any new mom listening or mom to be like, motherhood is the most beautiful, but like wildest ride you'll ever be on. (laughs) And I think that the more we can be real about that and the more we can like realize that like this shit is not easy, but we all do it in some way, shape or form at, you know, or many of us do it in, in, you know, all different ways that it you're not alone. And like, you know, you're, you're very much valid in your feelings. And if you do lose yourself, it's okay. And if you don't great, like, you know, everyone's different. But I think that for me, like the exciting part for me is like, especially now after having my second daughter, I knew what to expect to a point with her. And I knew what I was getting into versus like, no idea with Amelia and had this like, you know, glamorous view of what it was going to be like. And now like, I actually enjoy it. And like, 
have fallen into it and like have allowed myself to be like emerged in it and like love it and 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 love the messy parts of it and enjoy the stupid poop explosions and you know all these things like as much as you could enjoy poop you know what I mean but you know like just actually enjoy it and actually like realize that it's a part of my story it's a part of my chapter and it's creating so many things like brand campaigns that I never thought I'd be doing with my social media and podcasts that I never thought I'd have. And, you know, all these new projects that come and all these new moms that reach out to me that want to work with me and, you know, are inspired by me and want me to help them with their brands or, you know, want to collaborate with me or, you know, work with me on a campaign or, you know, someone talked to me about, you know, in the near future, creating lines with them, you know, associate me associated with it. And just like, all these really cool things that like maybe just never would have happened if I hadn't stepped into this part of me and, and not just became a mom, but like actually stepped into this new part of me and like not only evolved, but allowed myself to evolve and, and really like hone in on who that person is and trust in it and look at myself and say, like I said before, like I'm not judging myself and I'm not looking at myself and saying like, oh, but this is what you used to do. Like, no, reminding myself that like, I'm in a new chapter, I'm in a new season. And like, how can I embrace that? And how can that be something beautiful? And how can I have all these new projects to do with this? Not saying that like all the things went away from before, but I'm evolving and things are changing. And that's a part of life, right? And I think the more that no matter who is listening, the more we fight change in life, the more the universe keeps like pushing us back and saying, oh, well, too bad, too bad, too bad. But the more you like allow the fluidity, like this pandemic, (laughs) like, you know, it's like, yes, for all of us, it was like, the fuck is this, you know? And everybody was like, oh my God, what do I do? And people are still having a hard time. But I think we're finally getting to a place where we're starting to like, not to say accept, but learn how to align with this new time and learn how to allow this present to kind of be a gift and to not just look at everything. Like, how do I get through it? And how do I get past it? And what's the next thing? What's the next thing? It's like, how do I actually be present? How do I actually somehow enjoy this? How do I maybe reinvent myself? How do I pivot? Do I start a new project? What is it I want to learn about myself? There's so much growth that can happen in this time right now if you actually allow it. And in a weird way for me, because I went through so much change and growth when I became a mom and then became a mom again with my second, I kind of feel like I'm more at peace during this because of all that, where so many people are like in these like spinning whirlwinds and I feel for them because I've been there but I'm not in that moment because I just feel so much more peace because in a way I feel like I've been through my own like shakeup. And if there's a couple things that you really want your daughters to learn from you, what would they be? Oh, so many. (laughs) So I would say that don't compare. That was one of the hardest things when I'm about going through my postpartum depression and was a new mom. I would just stare at social media, like stare. I just remember like comparing myself to every mom who just was like, glamorous and looks fantastic and it's like good for you like that's great but not everybody can do that every single day or also too you don't realize like maybe they look glamorous but their house is a shit show but you don't see the mess behind them and so it's not to judge them it's not to shade anything they're doing but it's like stop judging you based on them look within you stop looking on the outside look inside And for me, that's been a huge journey within myself in the last couple of years of just constantly doing the work to come back to self, come back to my higher source, come back to Allie, who I am and nothing else, not the outside world, not my family, not just me, who, who am I? And the more I think you can do that, I would say to my daughters, 
the more you connect back to yourself, the more you're able to resonate with what actually aligns, what is right for you, what actually makes you happy, what actually is what is meant for you. Because everything else is just noise. And because of social media and because everything in our world, as much as all of it is so great, it's also become a lot of noise. So we have to learn how to tune out that noise and find our true self and connect to ourselves to know what really is for us and what's not. And another thing too is like, just give yourself like grace, you know, whether you're a mom or not, like I've learned so much. I think I even said to you in the email today when I'm our first time in an interview, I was like, thank you for the grace. Like I've learned so much as a mother, how to give myself grace and to give others grace. And I didn't have that before when I was young, I was on the autopilot and someone didn't answer me. It was like, Hey, let me hit them up again. Hey, so what's the answer to this? Hey, so are we going to get back on this? Or, or was this project pushing through? And it's like, you don't realize that other things be going on with someone else because you're so involved with yourself. And of course that comes, I think, you know, over time, but I would want my girls to know that like everything in due time and allow grace, allow, if something doesn't play out, allow that grace, something else will play out, you know, or if you're waiting on something and it's making you crazy, just give yourself that grace and say, you know what, I need to let go of this right now and I'll come back to it. And if it's meant for me, it'll be there. And if it's not, it never was. And don't fight the universe. I think for me, like even I've been learning this with the pandemic, like stop fighting the universe for anybody listening. Like I truly believe the more you fight the universe, the more universe pushes against you. This is the reason we've all been put in different positions, even in this time for a reason. And we all have learning and growing to do. And growth is not fun. <laughs> growth is not easy, but it's necessary. It's necessary to evolve. It's necessary to grow. It's necessary to continue on in who we're meant to be, in my opinion. And so I would just say to my girls, like, allow the growth, allow yourself to evolve, allow yourself to feel everything and honor your feelings, honor what you feel and know that they're all valid and don't let someone tell you that they're not. And just know that your truth is your truth. doesn't matter if it's not someone else's truth, it's your truth. I would love to go into your relationship with your body. I know going through a birth, going through pregnancy, it creates a lot of changes in your body. What did your journey with your body look like? What's something that helped you finally really accept and love your body? Okay. So to be totally transparent, I still don't love my body. <laughs> I, I, you know, I would love to say I do. Some days I do. Some days I will put something on. I'm like, oh, I look cute. And then there's other days where I'm not going to lie. I'll be nursing my baby and I'll be laying in bed and I'll be squeezing my rolls while I'm nursing her. Like horribly, but I am because I'm like, Ooh, I need to tighten that up, you know? And it's like, I have to remind myself, like I look at my baby and on, I'm like, Oh my God, look at her rolls. Look how cute she is. Why don't I do the same for myself? Like I, I mean, I'm not as cute as a baby, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, why don't I look at, or why don't we as a society look at our bodies as like these miracles that created this life, created lives instead of like, oh, I got to bounce back. I got to figure this out. I got to tighten this up. I got to do this. I got to do that. And like, for those that, you know, need that and want that, cool. That's you. But overall, we shouldn't be sending that message to ourselves and society. We should be saying, let's not try to bounce back. Let's celebrate the body is going forward. Let's celebrate what our body is now. Let's celebrate what our bodies have created. You know, let's celebrate what our bodies have done for us. And, and it's not just motherhood, you know, for some women, it's, you know, they got to run a marathon or they survived through chemo or, you know, I mean, there's so many different things your body can go through that your body still does what you need it to do. And it doesn't fail you. How freaking amazing is that? Like, 
why can't we look at that? And I tell myself this all the time and challenge myself. Like when I get upset and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, those rolls. Then I like say to myself, okay, now say something positive. Okay, well, if those hips weren't that way, maybe you wouldn't have had your vaginal birth the second time around that you really, really wanted with your second daughter after having a traumatic C-section, you know? And I check myself and say like, this wouldn't have been that maybe if you didn't have that, you know? And, and so I think it's like, we're all human, right? Like we're all flawed, we're all human. It's just the way it is. But I think the more you can tap into like knowing that like you're human and knowing it's okay to say those things, but then taking a step back and saying, okay, I'm going to say maybe one negative thing, even though I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to add two positive things of why my body is so good to me. And that's a practice I try to do with myself continuously, especially when I look in the mirror to remind myself of my struggles, but also how far my body has come and what my body has done for me. And like, you know, the other day I was getting upset looking in the mirror and I was like, oh, you know, I've lost all the weight and like, I'm back to my actual like weight before pregnancy, which is amazing. I really wasn't doing anything to get there, but like, here I am, you know, some workouts, but nothing crazy. And I'm looking at my body and I'm like, oh, my stomach is still this. And my diastasis recti is still there for my C-section, all these things. And I'm like, okay, but you just had another baby and you're still nursing around the clock and you're eating like crazy. And like, remind myself of like the realities of like what my situation is, you know, and like what's going on and what my body is doing for me and what it's serving for me and, and have more gratitude towards myself and my body than negativity, because no matter what in life, in my opinion, the more you put gratitude out there, the more you are grateful for anything in any moment, the more the universe listens, the more it hears that you're grateful the more it wants to give you more things to be grateful for. And the more you continue to put a negative connotation on something, whether you realize it or not, the universe is hearing that you're asking for more negative things to come into play. That's my true belief, law of attraction. You know, it's yeah. like the more you put out, you know, even if you don't expect to get anything back, just the more you just allow that positivity. Like I say affirmations to myself, you know, I have my journal that I write in daily, you know, my commanding life that like has a daily inspiration, you know, each day it tells me like, what am I thankful for? What do I, what do I want to feel more of? How do you make your day more amazing? What do you involve, you know, want to invite into your life? What will your affirmation be? You know, like all these things that are just like simple little tools that like when I'm feeling down or I'm upset about my body, I check in with myself and I go to my toolbox and I say, okay, how do I change that frame of thinking? How do I fix this? And like every day obviously is not the same. And some days I stay in that rut and I have a pity party for myself and I eat a bunch of Milano's and I'm upset about it. And you know, and it is what it is. And then other days I get back to my practice and I write down what I need to write down and I journal out what I need to say and I move past it or I meditate or whatever it may be. But I would just say for anyone listening, you know, when it comes to your body, just have gratitude for it. No matter what you've gone through, especially moms, like moms, we're freaking super women. Okay. Like birth is no joke. Like have gratitude towards your body. Your body is amazing. It is the vessel that carried life. It is a vessel for you. Like be grateful for your body. And what's something you're learning right now? Oh, I would just say the pandemic, I'm just learning all about myself and learning how to go further inward. I'm learning how to find my own sense of sovereign and freeness when the world is so heavy at times and can be so crazy, not allowing my insides to match the outside and keeping my family in that same space as much as I possibly can. And by doing that, by little rituals, you know, in my home, teaching my daughter now, like praying at night and like what we're grateful for, you know, just small little things 
to continue to bring light into our family. And then for me also to, again, go back to gratitude and bring that light within myself and connect to my body, connect to higher source for me, for me truly helps me to be able to navigate everything that's going on right now. And what's something that makes you feel grounded? Meditation makes me feel very grounded and breath work. For me, it's like, if I can connect to my breath, even if like the day is crazy, like Amelia is screaming and crying because she's a toddler and Arlie's, you know, having a hard day because she's pre-teething and my husband's in a bad mood because he's dealing with a meeting online and he can't get on or, you know, all the chaos in the house and everything's happening and I'm trying to get on a phone call and all the things. As soon as I get past that, as soon as like that moment is over, instead of continuing to stay in that craziness, I step away for a minute and I shut my eyes and I give myself five minutes, which is all I get. <laughs> and I give myself five minutes and I meditate and I connect to my breath. And I swear when I connect to that like heart center and I connect to my breath and I feel just me and it's just quiet and it's just everything in my little world, I'm able to take myself back down and say, okay, it is what it is. Now we're going to move forward and do the best we can with the rest of this day. And that's overall how I ground myself. And what's something that makes you feel alive? Something that makes me feel alive. My girls, for sure. I'm so grateful for them in this time. Because anything I've learned in this pandemic, it's sometimes you don't realize when the best gifts are right in front of you. And, uh, you know, my husband, of course, I love to death. But my girls, there's just such a light in them. Like right now I hear them laughing and playing. Like there's just, there's nothing in my opinion more magical about watching children grow and explore and thrive and knowing you get to be part of all of it. It's just such a gift. And what's something that most people don't know about you? Something most people don't know about me. Wow. I share a lot. Uh, <laughs> hmm. What is something most people don't know about me? Something strange you do. I don't know. <laughs> I hate feet. That's something weird about me. I always have. Feet gross me out, my own feet included. Baby feet are cool. But other than that, I'm not really into feet. They skeeve me out. I've always been that way. Uh, I don't know why. I never had like a weird foot thing happen to me, but I was just always not like feet. My husband will put his feet in front of me and I freak out. And he knows he does it on purpose. He's been with me for over a decade. He does it on purpose. I just don't like feet. I don't know. I've never been like, even when I get a pedicure, I like squirm and, uh, you know, and, and like move and like, I hate it. And the poor people who do my toes probably hate me too. Cause I'm like moving the whole time. And I warn them, I'm like, I'm going to kick you in the face. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I think feet are like one of the most nasty parts of our bodies. <laughs> so that would be something weird that most people don't know about me. I would say. So how'd you meet your husband? I met my husband in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, right outside of New York city. We had a mutual friend who brought him over when I was having a few friends over with my uh, friends and my brother was in town and we were just having like a little foray hanging out and uh, they brought him and I was actually seeing some of the time. So long story short, I wasn't really into him and, but we clicked as far as friends and he kept pursuing me and asked me to hang out. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't. I was like kind of playing a game. And eventually after he kept asking me and asking me and asking me, after finally I was over all my horrible relationships, I gave him a shot and uh, that was it. That one night I went out with him and the rest was history. And what's something he taught you? Something he taught me. Oh, hmm. he's taught me many things, but I think what, you know, honestly, like in the deep root of things, like what love, what love is, what love was, you know, when I was so doubtful of where things were in my own life with men and everything before him, I just didn't trust. I didn't believe it could really be something because I had so much just 
turmoil with men. And he showed me like, you don't have to break someone's heart to like have to prove yourself to them. You just don't have to break their heart and you can just love them and give them that love no matter what. You don't have to like necessarily like have to earn it and you just deserve it because you just deserve it. Um, And he shows me that every day and he shows my girls that, and you know, he's just a very loving man. Is there anything that helped you heal your relationship with men? I would just say probably just time healing wise. I think a lot of things with healing is time, just time and just us growing our relationship and further communicating and evolving as we grew as, and I think also now becoming parents, you know, I have to say as much as it's been really hard as pandemic, we're a really good team and I'm grateful for that. And so I think that allowing ourselves to evolve as parents, but also as Allie and Justin um, has brought us that much closer together. And really, um, we, we're really enjoying being new parents together. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give her? Oof. Don't take life so seriously. <laughs> you know, we can take everything personal. We can take everything as like, it's being done to me. It's being done to me. Woe is me. Play the victim all day long. I've done it. I still do it sometimes. But I think the more you can step outside of yourself, the more that you can see it's not being done at you. It's actually being done for you to help you in some way, shape or form, whether it be losing a job, which I lost money to shake me up into the next project and next career move, you know, whether it was my traumatic birth that then led me to postpartum depression, that was one of the hardest things I've ever been through, but then opened a whole new world of my career for me and also of myself to be so raw and vulnerable and who I am now and shed these layers of myself that I never knew existed, or I maybe didn't want to know existed or, you know, wanted to share. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of times, you know, as 20s, we just think that things should just be laid out for us and things should just be handed to us because a lot of times society's told us that just because you go to school, you get a job, just because you do this, you get this, just because you're a nice person, you get that life doesn't work that way. You know, it, it, it you know, it'd be nice if it did, but it doesn't. So it's like, being able to be real with yourself and still be that good person, still be, you know, that wonderful light that you are, but not expecting things and just doing things because you truly believe that you're doing the right things and you're on the right path and trusting in that and trusting in yourself. Like I was saying before, really connecting to source, whatever that is for you, God, the universe, whatever you believe in connecting to you is what is going to bring you back to you and be able to find your next jobs, your next ventures, your person that you want to be with, whatever it is in life. It's all within you. Don't look to the outside. Because in my 20s, all I did was look outside, look outside, look outside. If I had looked inside a lot earlier on, I may have helped myself with some of my hardships. So, you know, I would just say really look within you. Trust within you. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. You're welcome. It was so great to connect with you. Awesome. And where can people find you online? Oh, yes. Thanks. Uh, so they can find me anywhere on social media at Alilene Design, A-L-I-L-E-V-I-N-E Design, all one word. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, sometimes TikTok. Um, <laughs> my website is alilevine.com. Um, what else? My podcast, of course, anywhere you find this amazing podcast, you can find everything with Ali Levine, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the good places. And I love to connect with people. So if you listen to this and you felt some resonance or you have questions or you just want to say, hey, 
I'm always around. So hit me up my DMs and say hello. I also have an exclusive channel on WAVE, W-E-I-V. Um, if you just search on WAVE, you'll find me. And I put a lot of exclusive content there um, that maybe I don't share on my social media. And yeah, that's really, you know, about it. If you search me, you'll find me. <laughs> um, and uh, I love to connect with others and I love to help others when I can, especially moms or moms-to-be. So please feel free to say hello. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.